Today, uh, we are in a series called uh, His Last Words, and um, probably my heart is super heavy. I'm going to try to make this sermon shorter than normal today, because we actually are going to end with a different announcement today. Um, But my heart is heavy because of the weight of this message. Um, Jesus said that, nope. The Apostle Paul said that I want to, um, I determined to know nothing among any of you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. Let me just stop there for a second. What if that's all we knew about the gospel? I don't even know how much we talk about that as believers with one another. But let's just pretend for a second that our apostle and our faith is challenging us to talk about nothing else but Jesus Christ and him being crucified. That's the weight today of what we're going to do. And I've been thinking about the statements that Jesus has said on the cross. And this morning I spent a lot of time uh, with one of them specifically. And it's really done some damage on me. And so my heart is really heavy. I'll try to explain a little bit more in specific But if you would, would you all stand for the reading of God's word with me? We're going to start off here in Mark chapter 15 in verse 21. I'm reading in the NKJV today, and it says, And they compelled a certain man, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, as he was coming out of the country and passing by to bear his cross. And they brought him to the place of Golgotha, which is translated the place of the skull. And they gave him wine mingled with myrrh to drink, but he didn't take it. And when they crucified him, they divided his garments by casting lots to determine what every man should take. Now it was the third hour, and they had crucified him. And the inscription of his accusation was written above him, the king of the Jews. And with him, they also crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on the other left. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, he was numbered with his transgressors. And those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, oh, you who destroy the temple and will build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. And likewise, the chief priests also mocking among themselves and the scribes and saying, he saved others. Himself he cannot save. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. Even those who were crucified with him reviled him. In verse 33, it says, and now the sixth hour had come and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And, 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 and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Let's pray. God help. Amen. Why have you forsaken me? So he's actually um, saying it um, in another language here because he's actually reading it. Uh, he's, he's quoting it from the Old Testament. 
but it's really what's going on on the inside of him as uh, Jesus is really dealing with a lot of anguish. As I'm praying this morning, I'm feeling that anguish that he's feeling um, as if I'm mourning my best friend at his bedside. I don't know if you've ever watched someone you love suffer. Um, but in this moment, I feel him. It's almost, and, and having been through this before, it's almost like I've lost someone that I love so much that I'm reliving this moment again and again and again. Now, Jesus, in communion, asked us to remember this moment, that his body was broken for us. So this is something that is weird. I think as a believer or just as an American, we don't like feeling uncomfortable and we don't like these kinds of thoughts. But if you will, leaning into these moments will help you and I understand his love for you and what it did for him to get to you, what it did for him to get to me. The Apostle Paul would say, I determined to know nothing but him crucified. And he would also say, I want to know you, Lord, to be found in the power of your resurrection, but to know you in your suffering. I want to I be found in your power, but man, I, if I can know what it was like when you were suffering, I could really know you. God, why have you forsaken me? I've been thinking about this for weeks, knowing that I was going to preach on this. Thought about it all week long, and this morning, I just can't help but, man, there's so many mixed emotions. I felt like I was at his bedside today as he's saying, looking almost like, and just praying, God, why would you leave me? God, why would you leave me? God, why would you leave me? So I'm, I'm thinking, what's going on inside of him? So that's our conversation today. My best friend hanging on a cross going through some mixed emotions today. My heart is heavy. This is probably the easiest message I could ever preach in my life, and I find it so difficult to talk about. I mean, I am just lost. What was going on? Well, um, in his body, we have to know, this is um, Palm Sunday. This is the day of hollow worship. We don't think about it that way when we, our, our, our minds as Christians go to little cute kids with palm branches and, and, and ugly donkeys walking across the stage, you know? That's what it was. Because it was the people that praised him that four days later decided he was worthless and deserving of murder. Where did it go wrong for these people that loved him, needed him, praised him? But this is, this is the world that we live in. It's not much different. I mean, just think about Hollywood today. How like we'll praise stars and then like they do something wrong and everyone cancels them. You know what I mean? Like, ah, this guy did one thing wrong 45 years ago. He's, yeah. Shame, shame, shame. They did that to Christ. So early this morning, he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. And to just think about what would happen in that moment, 
It wouldn't stop there, though. You know, they'd put the crown on his head, and they'd, they'd march him up the street, and it got to the point where he couldn't carry the cross on his back. Why? Probably because any normal person, after being whipped, would have gotten the privilege of finding a cozy bed and a, and a meal and refreshments, and like, like now he's going to like heal on the men for two weeks. But no, on the open wound, they would place a cross. An open wound. And my Savior couldn't carry it anymore, so they asked this other gentleman to carry it. They got him up there, and when they put the nails in his hands and his feet, Jesus said in John chapter uh, 19 verse 28 he says after knowing this jesus uh that all things would be accomplished that the scripture might be fulfilled jesus screamed out i thirst you know why jesus would thirst because of what was going on in his body think about it he's now unintentionally fasting for the last day as he would have early in the morning been whipped and deprived of anything good and the liquids that would have left his body all morning long. As blood and wounds, Jesus is in agony. Any athlete that had gone through anything, the first thing they would have wanted was some Gatorade or something to kind of pick their energy back up, but there's none of that for Christ. And as he's on the cross, what's actually happening is he's gonna die of, of suffocation. So the blood is going to continue to flow from his hands and his feet the entire time he's on the cross. And what's going to happen is as the blood is continuing to drain his body, he is needing more and more hydration, but he's not getting it because when blood is leaving, you need something to fill like you need to replenish the blood that's leaving, the liquids that's leaving. And so his organs are shutting down. He's having kidney failure and liver failure. And there's no more blood going to his lungs to pump the blood or the oxygen through his body. And so he's actually shutting down and he would die of suffocation. So when he cries out, I thirst, it's because there are physical needs that's happening in this man that I just can't understand. But the need of, 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 of water and the need of oxygen, in my opinion, perils to what he's really saying here when Jesus would say, my God, my God, why would you? Why would you forsake me? Now, you have to understand he's quoting scripture, so I just want to take you there for a minute. It's in Psalm 22, which is super powerful, man. If you've never read it, Jesus Christ is fulfilling everything. I mean, it's impossible. The thousands of prophecies that his life would fulfill even in moments before he died. Psalms 22 Starts off this way, 
David would write, my God, my God, why would you forsake me? Why are you so far from helping me? Can you hear my Christ feeling separate from the Father? Why are you so far from helping me? Oh my God, I cry in the daytime, but you do not hear me. And in the night season, and he says, verse three, but you are holy, God. That's, that's why, actually. Verse 14, I mean, if you read the whole thing, Jesus is fulfilling all of this, but for the sake of time, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. Jesus is literally trying to figure out how to stand on the spike in his, in, his, in his feet so that he can take the pain off of what's ripping through his wrists. His bones are out of joint, but his heart is like wax and it melts within him. Let me just stop there for a second. We've gone through scriptures of how confusing this must have been. Think about it. His mom is there. He's, any, any person that is passing cares about where, what's going to happen to my family when I'm gone. The, the people that just abandoned him, his best friends, the emotional wear and tear of Judas' betrayal, the emotional wear and tear of the leader of his church that just was a complete idiot. Where are all the people that were following me? The, the, the emotional wear and tear of nakedness in front of people I care about. The emotional wear and tear of the hollow praises that was here last week. And now they're mocking him. And they have no idea. They're mocking. If you can just come down from the tree. This is the guy that if he actually spoke like he did in just... A few chapters before in John, when they came to arrest him and they said, we're looking for Jesus of Nazareth. And he spoke, I am he. And everyone falls back and falls to the ground. Because if he wanted to display his power. His heart is melting within him. There's so much going on. My strength is dried up like a pot shirt. And my tongue, it clings to my jaws because he's dehydrated. Literally. For dogs have surrounded me and the congregation of the wicked has enclosed me and they pierced my hands and feet, Psalmist said in verse 16. I can count all my bones and they look and stare at me and they divide my garments among those. This is why Jesus is saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because the scriptures that he's memorized, he realizes right now, this is all actually happening in me. And the worst part about it is not that God did this to him, but that God has left him. I think that this is the oddest time in the history of man 
that this blessed Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, Jesus is fully God, yet he had to become fully man. Can you imagine what it must have felt like for Jesus to lose oneness? I don't know what was going on, but for him to feel like he was abandoned in the moment is confusing beyond confusing. Where would you go, God? Why, why would you leave me now? In my greatest moment that I needed you, you would leave me now? I have to preach this twice. I don't even want to. Can we just cancel second service? <laughs> Tell everyone when they come in, we're just. You know why this is so weird to us? It made more sense to the Israelites. See, they have this day called the Day of Atonement. And what happens on the Day of Atonement is everyone brings a sacrifice from their family that is slain at the altar in the temple. And before they put that, that there, they pray over that sacrifice, their sins from this year. And they realize that this innocent animal is going to be murdered in their stead. And so Jesus' crucifixion and the blood and the suffering is foreign to us because we seldom even ask God to forgive us of our sins. Not to mention recognize that sacrifice must take place. I don't know if this makes sense, but 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 would say it this way. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus became a sinner in the last hour of his death. The confusion that took place in him, why would you forsake me, is just the understanding that we've all gone through when we've been an idiot this year. So you know, when we put upon him this morning, I'm having to realize, God, you departed Jesus because I am lustful, because I am prideful, because I didn't control my anger. Because when you called me to come to prayer, I chose to be lazy. Because when you called me to share my faith at Publix, I disobeyed you. And I know what it felt like the moment that I got to my car and I shut the door and I knew that no one else knew that everyone else in my church thinks that I'm this awesome believer. But in that moment, God said, you suck because that person needed you and you disobeyed me and I knew what it felt like when my spirit turned on itself and I knew God was disappointed with me in that moment. He didn't leave me, but oh man, did I know it was not good. But we don't care about our sin anymore. But I want you to understand that the wrath of God is real and your sin matters. And we all today have to put our sin on Jesus and ask God to murder him and not me 
so that we can be righteous and stand before God and be in his holy presence. And I want you to know that your sin is not a joke and it's not little and it's not small. And we ask that God to forgive us like it's, you know, would you mind? Because we've never brought an animal to the altar. I think we don't understand what Paul said when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. And the life that I live now, I have to live by faith in the Son of God. This is why he's saying that it's important that I know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. But this is like a dumb topic. In the church, we don't talk about how Jesus was broken for me, how he was bruised for my iniquities, how the chastisement of my peace was put upon his back and by his stripes. Lacey was healed this morning. When he got on the cross and he said, why did you leave me? I know why he left me. Why, why the father turned his back on him. It was because of me. God turned his back on Jesus so we can look at me. I stand here and I worship like it's so, so easy. I can walk boldly into his presence because I'm a coward and because he's great. I think that we don't understand what the gospel is. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And there's none righteous, not one. But God demonstrates his love towards us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God So I, my heart's heavy because I'm praying to my best friend who I'm realizing felt abandoned, not really by the father, but it was really me. There's no one in my life that has been as good as to me as him. And I just think that if we recognized who he is and what he's done, we would love him so much more. I hate this. <laughs> this morning, I can't help but seeing the image of him saying, why would you forsake me? I have this beautiful little puppy. You know, his name's Chewy, and he's just beautiful. It's great. And I just think of his innocence, and I can't imagine what it would be like to have a lamb in my home. But I could never hurt my puppy, especially for the sake of the survival of my family. Jesus was the lamb of God slain before the foundations of the world was created. It was prophesied again and again and again and again of what he was going to have to do and why he was going to have to do it because we can't pay for it ourselves. 
Holy Spirit's not here because of how much we worship or because of lights or a good band that sings. The Holy Spirit's here because of the grace and the love of Jesus despite the stuff we've done. Really, the Lord should not be here because of what we've done. So thankful for the grace of God. And so I ask you, church, I know that I'm talking to probably 98% Christians. This week, don't you dare be lazy in your faith. Read a devotion. If we can't make time to put Christ first in our devotions, let's not pretend like we love him. There's people out there that are dying and going to hell that have never heard the gospel that would be so much more radical with it if they knew it. But I believe this week, if we bend into our faith, it would provoke us to live intentionally this week. There are people next week that have never heard the gospel, and next week we will try to present not the crucifixion, but the power of his resurrection and what that means for our life. Because we're not one with God because he died for us. We're one with God because he rose again. Oh, man. It's so awesome to know a man that can keep all of his promises. What a savior.